It was going to be 8 to 10, the same chapter, verses 8 through 10. But as we did last week, I would like to start by just reading the entire 11 verses um, that, will be, that will have been covered and will be covered. And so if you would turn your Bible to Luke chapter 5, it will be reading verses 1 through 11. And then this morning, we're also going to be looking at John chapter uh, 1 as well. It's not chapter 1, I don't believe. <coughs> it is. Okay. So John chapter 1 also. So if you want to put a thumb in that location, that would probably work out good for you. But I hope you open up your Bible and see what God has to say for your heart today. In John chapter 5, or excuse me, Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1, this is the word of the Lord. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And this is the beginning of our focus word scriptures this morning, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, from now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I, I want to share with you something kind of personal and unique, maybe. So I brought this Bible with me today, as, long as, as well as the one I just read from. And so this Bible here has been with me for the last 12 years. And uh, every single... So, I, so in two weeks... That'll be the, 12th, the end of 12 years that I've been filling the pulpit or preaching or pastoring or whatever. And every single message, every single Bible study, every single time Angie and I sat around the house, it was out of this Bible. Isn't that something? So literally hundreds of sermons and Bible studies and all that have been done out of this Bible. And, and, and this morning I, I, we started a new phase, something new for me. Now, why that's a big deal, I, I don't know if it's the right sermon illustration or not. But the reality of the matter is, you know, if, if everything, for the last, like, three years, everything past Hebrews was held together by a paperclip. And almost the entire New Testament is, is fallen out of here. And, and the Old Testament pages are so messed up that you can't read half of them. And look at the, the, the beginning of the Bibles. I'm, I'm missing pages. So I should have left this at home a long time ago, huh? And just started with this new Bible that's been sitting on the shelf for years now because I knew this was going to come. But it's just that this Bible, is, this is what I've always known, right? This is what I'm comfortable with. You ever change the Bible? It's not an easy thing to do. Gosh, all, all the good sermons were out of this one. 
So I don't know what this one holds. And so it's not really a sermon illustration about how many sermons I've done or anything like that, but it's just a natural proclivity of me, and I imagine you too, of moving away from something that's really safe because I've got every single line in this Bible marked where I needed it to. And if I, you wanted to ask me a scripture, I can go here. But I can't do that here over here because it's something different and something that I'm not used to. That's kind of our life. And so that was what was happening in this passage this morning, wasn't it? Last week we were in a, we began the series, where do we go, or we got second week of going, where do we go from here? Last week it was called a new way. This week it's a new life. Next week, or two weeks from now when we're back, it's going to be a, a, a new job title basically. Always new with God. And so what we're talking about in this series is something, this idea of how do we move down the road just a little bit further in our faith? And where are we each? In, because we're all in a different place on that road, I'm sure. But how do we just let God in and move just a little bit further than we are today? Because I'm telling you, I just keep reading over and over and over in God's word that he wants us to take a step Take a step and move in faith, not because we're not doing good or, or anything like that, because every time we take a step of faith, it's just like taking out our wallet or whatever it is. Or if we say, I'll clean the church. Or if we say, I'll fold the bulletins. Or I'll make the music. Or, or I'll, I'll do a message someday. All those things are out of our comfort level, like giving up our old Bible and taking a step of faith because it's like, it's not in my control either, anyhow. It's only in God's. And the only time I can ever prove that, uh, you know, walk that walk is when I take a step from where I'm comfortable and where I don't want to move from and where I just want to stay because I know where to look at and find the scriptures that I need when I want. That's what it was last week, that new way. Peter and all the others were master fishermen. They were in their boats, and, and they didn't catch nothing, and so they were done for the day, and they were rolling up their nets, and they were out of there, and Jesus came up, and, and he stopped everything, and, and they, he sat down in the boat, and they're trying to get their work done, and, and he's changing everything up, just like starting with worship music this morning instead of the announcement. It just changed everything up, and it was like, oh, this is so weird. They tried to keep doing their work, God lets us know that there's a new way. There's, there's got to be some changes in store. And so now today I hope that we can continue that and we can see through the pages of God's word as Jesus talks to these people and he teaches the, the new way that he's showing them and pointing and really saying, come on, is never ever going to take place until we look at our lives and come to the point and we say, man, i got to put something different in here. Because the old ways just ain't working no more. I've come to an end of the way it always has been. And Jesus says, there's new life for you, but only in Him. Our focus scripture is going to be the same as it has been and will be next, next time we're together. It's forget the former things. 
Forget the former things and don't even dwell on them anymore. Because God is doing a new thing in our lives and it's springing up all around us and we got to be aware and look for it. Don't you perceive it, he says? I'm working all around you in your life and in the life of the church, in the life of Miller and the surrounding towns and countryside and everywhere God is doing this work. And, and are we involved in it or are we just stuck right here and says, my ministry will never be any different than it is today. I'm not changing up the order of music. I'm not going to change my Bible. I'm never, ever going to stand up in front of these people and give a message. None of it. Is that what we do? Well, I think Jesus comes into our lives and sits down in our boats and says, I'm taking you out a little deeper today. I'm making a new way in the desert in the streams of the wastelands of this world and it's starting in each one of our hearts. So we go to that first slide and remember we're going to focus on verse 8 through 10 today. When Simon Peter saw this, what did he see? He saw the miraculous catch, right? They went out and they hadn't caught anything and these people have been doing this job their entire lives and doing it the same way, and they know full well if they fished all night, that's when they fished, and they caught nothing, nothing was going to happen in the morning time. And so they were rolling up, and they were done for the day. And so when Jesus came up and said, it's going to be different, roll out. And Peter says, okay, because you say, I'll do it. And then they couldn't even get the nets out. They had to call all their partners in. They started loading the fish in their boat, and they almost sank. And Peter knew something really, really different had just happened. And so when he saw this, it says that he and the others were astonished. It's an important thing for us to know. That what took place there, and I don't know if that would be the one where I, I came to know the Lord or not, but something happens in people's lives, and it works for one, and it doesn't for the other, and it moves around, and I don't know how God orchestrates all that, but on this particular occasion, this man named Simon Peter was astonished, and something was different today than it had ever been in his life before that in his relationship with Jesus. I think that for help, to help us really understand what's, what's going on here, would you turn with me to John chapter 1? Because there's a timeline in here for us to understand today that today for Simon Peter, something was extremely different than it had ever been before. John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 35. If you have a heading above on your Bible, mine says, Jesus' first disciples. Okay? Jesus' first disciples. Now we're talking in Luke, right, of five, of when Jesus came and sat in Peter's boat. In John chapter 1, 35, it says, The next day John was there again with the two disciples. That was John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard this, they said, they, they were going to begin following him. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and, and you will see. 
So they went and they saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Here we go. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. Now this is Simon Peter, the boat that Jesus sat in, and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. Why I wanted to go here is because on the timeline of Jesus' walk, this is one year before the day Jesus walked up and sat in Peter's boat. A full year. A full year of Jesus' life when Peter had, had met him here. He, he was good enough friends that he was one of his companions. They went to the wedding at Cana together. He was there that night that Jesus did his first miracle and changed the water to the wine. And so he was his buddy, right? He was his inner circle and hanging out with him. And Jesus had called him to faith this day in John. But a full year later, he was still doing business as usual. He was out there fishing, and Jesus came up, and Jesus began talking to the crowd and preaching to them. And, he, and Peter's like, I'm in the middle of the job site, Jesus. You're messing up the way things have always been. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. It's fine and dandy when I'm off work and, and, and I get called over there to, hey, let's go down and see Jesus. That works for me. But on this day when I'm fishing, I'm trying to earn a living and you come out here, things are different. Does that ring a bell in our life? It's an odd thing, isn't it? That he had met Jesus a year before, but the priorities in his life had yet not changed. It was the same business until this day. When Peter saw this, he was astonished. Something clicked in his life and he began to be rearranged when he now realized that he had come face to face and had begun to know not just another person, but someone who was producing miracles right in front of him. Something else happened that day. This encounter showed him, Peter, something about himself that he isn't really sure he wanted to know about. Something much deeper than he'd ever allowed anybody to maybe even pry out of him. But on that day, he was astonished, his life was changed, and he looked inside, and what he saw was, I'm a sinful man. What do you think that's all about? Why, why would he say such a thing? <laughs> I'm a sinful man. I, I, I don't know for sure exactly. And one of these days, maybe after about 10,000 years of me laying at the feet of Jesus when I get home, maybe me and Peter will have time for a little conversation. I'll ask it. What was it specifically that day? <laughs> Won't that be fun? 
But here I'm going to kind of interject and really kind of suppose maybe what it was was that after all these things that he experienced in the last 12 months of following Jesus around, he knew secretly deep down that Jesus was in fact who he claimed to be, but he kept him at arm's distance because he never really, really wanted to look inside here. Don't we do that? I don't really want Jesus peeling back the layers of my protection and sit finding out and exposing to me or anybody else who I really am. And on this day, surely it was Peter and he's in his boat and he's kept Jesus really just where he needed him for about a year just because this is turning out good for him, but he really had his priorities. And on this day, he was doing his priorities and Jesus came up and he was preaching the gospel and Peter found out in his own mind he could give a hoot what those other people heard because he was doing his fishing and that was what was important to him. And on this day, Jesus showed him that that was wrong and he said, I am a sinful man. And so he does like all of us and we throw up that protective barrier when God starts speaking into our lives and we say, get away from me. I don't want to go any further in my faith. Don't ask me to take another step because this is where I'm digging in, Lord. And you're not going to move me from here. Is that, oh man, does that ever happen to us? I think all of us do that in some way, in some situation. I will not talk to my neighbor because I don't like this about him, right? I will not go to this, this environment and speak the name of the Lord because that's just not the way us church people do it. I don't know. I'm just trying to paint my own picture, all the things, all the barriers that I put up that I refuse to take a step. But every time I do, and I find out this beautiful, miraculous catch that God has already de deemed possible in my life, I say, Lord, I am so sorry. I am a sinful man. And then the very next time, I try not to say, away from me. But you know, what Peter does truly there is confess. I don't know if we talk about enough about this idea of confession from my failures and my faults and then repentance and turning and not going back there anymore. When I, when I show my true colors to the Lord, that's the time I need to get on my knees because it is only through his work in my life and his help in my failures and all those kind of things. And I turn away from it that he is ever going to be able to work in my life. And it was that way that day when Peter said I, he confessed and he repented because of his lack of commitment, I think was what was really at the core of his realization that he'd been following this man and now it wasn't a man anymore, but in fact his Lord. He was like some of us, willing to go only so far. Going far enough as long as it didn't interfere with his agenda and his priorities and the picture he had painted in his mind and probably in his heart as well of what religion required of him. And here was God standing on the beach that day and saying, take her out a little deeper. Peter was in that situation. That I don't know, I'm sure you probably heard this somewhere along the line. The, 
I don't know how long some of you have been believers or Christians or coming to church or whatever. Some of you, many, probably double or triple the amount of years I have. But you know, saying how long you've been a Christian is just like saying how long you've been on vacation. Some people take a vacation in a week and they go to Europe. Angie and I take a vacation for a week and, and, and we go to Grand Island. You know, we don't, we don't go very far, but we have a fun. But saying how long you've been a believer is just like that. Saying how long you've been on vacation doesn't really say how far you've come. It's just how long you've been on the road. For Peter's case, he'd been on the road 12 months and he'd gone nowhere. He went to a wedding a couple of times. He, he went down by the river and listened to Jesus talk a couple of times. But his heart was still exactly where it was when they met. So Peter realizes his weakness or limitations and whatever we want to call it today, and he responds, away from me. I don't want to see this about myself. And we do this too. And our desire is never to know what we need to know to change, but that's exactly where we keep Jesus at arm's length. And on this day, Jesus does something just as remarkable, just as miraculous as catching all those fish. When he looked at this man who, has, who knew himself now, who admitted his failures, who repented, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Isn't that a beautiful thing that he did? <laughs> Peter's heart was being broken. And here was the Lord of all. And, and, and he could have squashed him, and he could have said, see, this is why, you sinner. This beautiful Lord that we call our Savior said, don't be afraid. Your sins, your self-doubt, your low self-image, your priorities, none of those need to matter anymore. Your heart. Therefore, it's that theme or that scripture that we keep going back. Don't worry about it. Don't look back. Don't, don't be hung up about what was, but be confident about what is going to be. And that's exactly what Jesus said in our next slide. From now on. Isn't that a great promise? Isn't that a great promise? It all I don't know how long this scene took place, but it must have just been blowing Peter's mind apart. Fifteen minutes ago, he was washing his nets. And Jesus took him from that spot to this tremendous analyzing of, his own, of Peter's own life. He, he was on the ground in, in, in really repentance and remorse of, of how he'd ignored the promises and the possibilities and the beauty of Jesus. And, and Jesus picked him up and he says, don't be afraid, don't worry about it. Because here's what's important. From this point forward, things are going to be different, Peter. From this point forward, you have a new life. You have available to you the new perspective of the Holy Spirit. You have a new start. And believe me, you've got a new purpose. When was the last time you folks... Now, this isn't an accusation, because I'm the one that had to do this sermon this week and so do you know how many times I've gone oh my gosh that's me 
and I look back at my life and how many times I was cleaning my net when Jesus was trying to talk to people all around me through me and I refused to even look up because I was so darn busy with my own agenda. Do you do that? I have to ask you, when was the last time you read scripture or you heard the word of the Lord in your heart or in your spiritual ears and you said, you heard him say, from now on, from this point forward, you have the opportunity for a new life. Or did you keep him at arm's length because that new life would require you to allow him to pull back the covers of your darkness in your heart. I don't know what happened to the other people that were standing around that day, but I know Peter got moved way down the road. He he knows all about where do we go from here. He didn't need me standing up there giving him a sermon series because he'd lived through it in the last 15 minutes. He had come face to face with the Lord of all creation. It's an interesting thing. In verse number 5, he calls him master. We've already done all that work. But now he uses the word Lord. Isn't that something? When master, good teacher, good teacher, out here at the end of my arm, you can talk from there. That's a whole lot different than Lord, isn't it? The ruler and the lover and the caretaker and the changer and the transformer of my heart. That's what happened to Peter that day. Once you become face to face with the Lord of all creation, it is simply never going to be the same when you allow him that far into your heart. And I have to ask you, have you ever been there? In your life, have you ever come to a point where it's like, my goodness, I don't know how it happened, but somehow I'm different now than I was 15 minutes ago, and now I'm feeling in my life there's absolutely no way it's ever going to be the same again. In John chapter 6, I just love, there's, a, there, there's just a scene in there, a, a, an end really to Jesus was, uh, this is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. The biggest fan base he was ever going to have that day. 5,000 people. He feeds them all and they're like, hey, Jesus rocks. Good teacher. Really like this guy. But then he starts saying things that the people just didn't like at all you got to drink my blood and, and, and eat my flesh. And they're like, whoa, I ain't going there. I'm out of here. So he has all these people that are around him because this is a good place to be. I like the music. I like the preacher. I like the people. I like the buffets. I really dig the potlucks. Mm. But then when they start talking about life changes and starting over, and allowing God to show me who I really am, I'm out of here. But then he looks over here, and who's sitting there? Peter. And he says to him, this is after this event now. It's after this day where, Jesus, where Peter says, Lord. And he looks at Peter, and he says, are you leaving too? And do you know, do you know what the line is? Do you know what it is? 
Peter says, where else would we go, Lord? You have the words of life. Do you hear what he's saying? You've taken me so far that there's no way I can turn back now. I have to continue with you, and I have to keep following you. Have you ever been in that place in your life yet? Because if you are a born-again believer, there's, a quite, there's still a possibility that you are keeping Jesus at arm length. Maybe 12 months ago, he called you to faith, but you're still not taking a step. Maybe 12 years ago, you started in a Bible, and you just won't give that up because you're terrified that somebody's going to ask you to find a place in Scripture, and you're the preacher, or the Bible study leader, and it's like, I got a new Bible. It's like, I can't find it. I don't know what the thing is. It's changed. But it's required. Otherwise, we're going to stay in our old ways and our old selves. Our final slide on the screen today is going to be uh, where we're going to go next time, two weeks from now. You will be fishers of men. Isn't that something? Everything that was on Peter's mind that day had to do with himself, his income, maybe his status as the boss man on the, fishing, on the fishing boat. I don't know. But before it was all over, look at this. I love that slide that Angie found. They're not carrying fishes and their, their, their pride and all that. They're walking, following the Lord of all creation, and they've got these baskets full of stuff. And I just imagine what they're doing is they're going out and serving. <laughs> Isn't that neat? It's not about them anymore. It's about him. What was recorded today that we read and we're, we're going to still be in next time is this historical event. A day and time that actually took place. It was a sunny afternoon on the beach, right? That's how we started this out. This time actually happened, and we read of a specific moment in the life of a man named Peter that catapulted him not just to be a fisherman who claimed to have faith in Jesus, but into a disciple who knew Jesus as his Lord and Savior of all. A new life, and he couldn't go back to where he was. Have you been there? I hope you go home and you pray about this scripture and not about me or what I said or anything like that, but just ask yourself, Lord, if I turn my heart over you, where am I going in the next days or weeks or months or years? What do you have for me? Please show me. And when he does, don't say away from me, Lord. Say more of you, Lord. How is it that we can become individual people? How, how can we become a church family who doesn't just call Jesus a good teacher but calls him Lord? How do we become a people who are no longer satisfied with just telling folks, yeah, I've accepted Jesus? How do we get into this frame of mind that every step we take is allowing God to catapult us into something brand new? With just the thought of carrying those baskets and following him and saying, I'm in the service of the king, gets us excited. And it's not a humdrum thing in our lives. How do we get to the point in our lives 
where the mere mention of his name brings a tear in our eye because we love him so much and we just cannot believe. We cannot believe it. We are astonished at the miracles that he's performing in our lives. Now that's truly moving down the road, amen? But that's where God wants to take all of his people. Just like the people who folded the bulletin, the people who vacuumed the floor, the people who prepared the music, the folks that have volunteered to come up here and distribute communion. <laughs> Probably sometime in your life, there was a point where it's like, there's no way. I ain't even going to church, let alone be helping out. But what's next? Allow our closing scripture. Christ's love compels us. Have you ever been on your knees and you know fully who you are? And Jesus said, don't worry about it. Stand up. From now on. Did that point convince you that he died for all and therefore died for everyone. And if he died for everyone, that those who, who live, us, it should no longer be about us, but about him who died and was raised again. And now he wants to speak that message of hope and truth and reality to each and every one of his children who are here today. Let me pray for you, and if the people that will come up to do communion would do so, please. Lord in heaven, I thank you for this day, this message. I, I thank you for the uh, life of Peter that we can look at and, and, and just see how you worked in his life. And God, we ask that you do the same for each and every one of us. Lord, we love you in, in just an astonishing way. <laughs> Teach us, God. Take us down the road just a little bit further today. In Christ's name, amen.